All right, let's give it a little sound check here. I think everybody heard that. You think everybody heard that? Mm -hmm. Let's try it again. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Oh, boy. So tonight we're having a little bit of... Uh, this is Bullet, right? Yes. Bullet Rye. We've been on a rye kick for... Hmm, a while. Months and months and months and months. Maybe a year now. Yeah, you keep trying to switch it up into bourbon. And I, I keep nicely hinting. Oh, no, you don't nicely hint. Not anymore. No. I'm like, if you buy bourbon, <laughs> I have to mix it into something. Really? Yes. Why is that? I don't like the smoky flavor. Really? No. You I like want... the fresh, crisp, yes. rye side of it. I get it. I mean, it's definitely got its its unique flair. Mm-hmm. I think I like the bourbons because it, you know, kind of has one foot into the Scotch territory, which I like ever so often. But um, no, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so here we are. This is uh, Thursday night. So this is post-video drop mm-hmm. on YouTube night. And um, we were just thinking about different ideas for podcasts and stuff. And I think tonight's going to be quite the um, story-filled yeah. evolution of uh, one of our favorite places to to explore. We haven't really done our adventure conversation yet, like how we got started, who we were. Mm-hmm. But like not really got into trip ideas and things like that. And yeah. so we thought, well, shoot, this is a good opportunity to segue right into that. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, like, man, recently just still doing the whole shelter-in-place stuff. New Mexico has extended their order until, you know, the middle of May at this point. And, um, yeah, we're itching itching to go, but we're getting through it. We've got other ideas. We've we've made a heck of a lot of videos, and we're going to do some backyard camping and just kind of do some walkthroughs of, you know, just the basics of how we trip prep and tips and tricks on how we open and close the rooftop tent, how we stake it down different ways. Like, there's a lot of little things that we don't necessarily show in the video all the time. So it's a good opportunity to show people a little bit more about that side of things. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Other than that, it's just been, you know, status quo homeschooling and stuff like that. And how's your, uh, how's your online studies going for your degree? Good. Almost done. We just have about two more weeks. Then we'll be finished. Not really sure what's going to happen after that though. Yeah. A lot of that's up in the air still. It doesn't seem like anyone really knows at this point. No. I know that our local counties are really petitioning hard to get things open back up just because there's hardly been any cases right. in this area. And so they're saying, why? You know, why are we still locked down? And sometimes it's harder for the higher populated um, government seats to to understand that. And so there's definitely a lot of harsh transition that's going on right now mm-hmm. and a lot of different perspectives and, and both having, you know, very valid points on, on the strategy. So, yeah, it's uncharted territory at this point. But um, in other news, Caroline is a bit of a lisp now. Yeah, she's not she's not <laughs> let this affect her all that much, huh? Oh, no. she uh, She's losing teeth left and right. Three and, teeth in three weeks. Oh, my gosh. She's uh she's lost both her two front teeth. That's the main ones. Oh, it's the best and thing ever. <laughs> like I just like I like literally just sit and watch her talk now. Oh, I know. Like it's 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 like I don't look at her eyes. I look straight into that gap <laughs> right there. Oh, it's like you know listening to someone with a a good uh, British accent. Like you just want to listen to them talk. Yeah. And she is so cute with her little lift now that yeah. 
it's uh it's quite like you don't you don't realize what your tongue is doing until you can watch it you know what i mean <laughs> oh yeah like i'm like oh i didn't realize we put our tongue at the front of our mouths for that word and she sings <laughs> constantly s- constantly and so loud like it's at one volume all the time uh-huh. not all the time 80% of the time is right. at one volume. Now with like the S's turning into a lisp, like I'm, it just makes it all the more better. Like I don't want to tell her to be quiet. Like I'm trying to study. I'm trying to get my schoolwork done. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell her to be quiet because, you know, one, you don't want to like squelch, you know, what if, what if she's going to, you know, turn into an amazing singer songwriter sure. one day, you know, so you don't want to squelch that. Right. But at the same time, it's like, sis, um, Songs, you can't see my hand motion. Go up and down, okay? <laughs> We're not always blazing at 110%. Right, yeah. Yeah, so. she's, I'll tell you what, though, she's got the, she's got the lungs. She, she does. My goodness. And, and the passion. And the vibrato, oh, man. Now if we can just get her own key. She can be for the most part. Oh, yeah. But when she makes up her own songs, not so much. Sure. She's she's caught up in the creative process. She's not worried about <laughs> the tune. Being on, that's my excuse. That's why I can't sing. Oh, that's what it is. You're I'm caught too in the creative process. Focused on the creative process that I just can't stay on key, you know. It makes so much sense. It it just came to me. Mm. It just came to me. Anyhow. Well, why don't we get this uh campfire stoked up here? You know, these New Mexico even though it's been warm, these New Mexico evenings they cool off fast. dips down quick. Mm-hmm. Like we're probably in the upper forties at this point right now. Mm-hmm. So just the perfect temperature to get this campfire going here and it's true. do a little bit of an intro for you. Let's hear it. Let's hit it. Welcome, travelers, overlanders, weekend warriors, and daily commuters to Campfire Confessions. We are your hosts, Kevin and Sarah. McHouston of Lifestyle Overland. A husband and wife duo who travels North America and the world with our daughter Caroline. This podcast, or Fireside Chat, is about us, our travels, our stories, and lessons learned while living a lifestyle a bit outside the ordinary. So, go ahead and pour your favorite beverage, pull up a camp chair, and join us as we stoke up this campfire for a bit of warmth and ambiance. Ah, much better. We want to take a moment to thank the sponsors of this show. That's right. These are the folks who keep the wind in our sails, our patrons. These fine folks are listeners, subscribers, and followers like yourself who keep the fuel coming and the adventure rolling. So thank you all who contribute to this adventure. We could not do this without you. If you're interested in supporting this channel and this podcast, join us over at www.patreon.com slash lifestyleoverland where you'll get access to all kinds of cool stuff like... Bonus videos, um, GPS coordinates, secret campsites. Early releases. Oh, lots of early releases. Yeah, it's it's a fun time over there. Mm-hmm. We've got a great little community going. So thank you guys again. You're amazing. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, tonight's podcast is about one of our favorite overlanding, camping, exploring destinations. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Death. You know, the first time someone suggested going to Death Valley, like, I think because I I wasn't familiar with it, I just conjured up, you know, miles and miles of endless sand dunes, just this barren wasteland or desert. And I I thought they were a little bit crazy. Like, why? I didn't even know it existed (laughs) till. Our friends invited us to go along. Yeah. I mean, it it wasn't high on our 
radar, to be honest with you. No. And I think I think the uh, the name itself comes off as intimidating right out of the gate, especially for people just getting getting into. Well, and this. I think at the time our overlanding experience meant mountains, mm. and so it did not. I don't think it registered in my mind to remotely even think about going to a place called Death Valley. Right. The way that I understand it is the people who actually live in and around that area do not like it being called Death Valley. What do they call it? I don't know. But oh. I just I just know from a few people who live in that general area, uh, I think it's Beatty. Is it Beatty, Arizona or Beatty, Nevada that's just outside of it? Mm-hmm. Like the locals have never really liked the name just because of what it conjures up that it sure. it's not a valley of death necessarily. Right. Um, it can be very deadly. But it's called Death Valley National Park. Like if it was called something else, but then Death Valley was in it, I could see them coming up being like, oh, we prefer that you would actually call it Valley of the Golden Dirt <laughs> National Park or something, you know? Right, right. But it's like Death Valley National Park. What else do you want me to call it? I don't know. I, I, I like I said, pure, I'm just purely relaying what was told to me by oh. some locals. Well, so. if somebody listens to this and they're from that area and they don't like what it's that it's called Death Valley, tell us what you prefer for it to be called. <laughs> Not so alive I, valley. I kind of want to know. <laughs> Struggling to live valley. Halfway gone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Not end, quite the, here. The end is near Valley, mm-hmm. something like that. No, nah, but anyhow. The light at the end of the tunnel valley. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, flash forward, what has it been? Four years now and three different adventures in Death Valley. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, the the diversity, the different things that you can see, um, the different trails, the different geological oddities, um, the, the different altitudes. I mean, it's it's quite an incredible place. Oh, yeah. And I feel like we still haven't even seen a lot of it because what's that one something castle? Oh, yeah. It's um, always closed. Scotty's Castle. And it got flooded out, I think, just not too many months before we went in for the first time. First time and yeah. so, yeah, there's Scotty's Castle. Um, there's the <laughs> the Manson Ranch. We actually drove past it um, on, on the Mingle Pass Road where Charles Manson was holed up with his crazy people. Yeah, there's there's several other trails that I'm just itching to get back out there. And, and fin- I, I would love to spend about, I would love to spend about three weeks. I think with three weeks in Death Valley, you could really take your time and explore all of those high points. Mm-hmm. Um, most people don't have that much opportunity. And so you kind of have to split it up and, you know, some more, yeah, some more intentional travels. And so we actually have a pretty decent, um, track that we recorded Mm -hmm. along with waypoints and stuff like that, that we have on, on Patreon for people to, to pull and use as, as their guide. But yeah, it's, it's a massive place. It's 5,270 square miles, which equates to about 3.4 million acres. And I do believe if I remember correctly, I think it is the largest national park in the contiguous, I think that's the right word, United States. What so, does contiguous mean? Uh, lower 48. Oh. Yeah, because I think the I think there might be two national parks in Alaska that are bigger than this, than, than Death Valley. But if I remember right, I think it's the biggest one in the lower 48. It's also the hottest place on earth. On I earth. just find that so hard to believe. So they recorded a temperature of 134 degrees 
in the year 1913. That's insane. Yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, what what was the, the highest temperature that we ever endured was in Scottsdale, Arizona. I mean, 110? No, I thought it was 121. Didn't, no. Didn't we hit 121 one day? No. Are you sure? Yes. I'm going to have to look that up. I think it was like 110 was the hottest we ever had. I remember going outside at midnight and it was 103. So there's no way. It was more than that. There's no way we would have survived living in that camper at 121 degrees, Kevin. It would have been 90 degrees inside. And it was about 82. That was the best we could maintain during those times. I don't know. Google it and see. Okay, Google. What was the hottest temperature recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona in 2017? Here's a summary from 12news.com. Okay, so the hottest temperature recorded in Phoenix in 2017 in 2017 was on June 20th, a temperature of 119 degrees. So I'm two degrees off. Okay. 119 degrees. We were living in a fifth wheel camper. We had every blanket that we owned stapled to the walls to help increase the insulation. It was so ugly in there. And I had just like done all of this painting and finishing touches right before we moved out there. And I had to cover it all up. Mm-hmm. It was the only way to survive. I mean, and during days like that, we were probably low 80s, mid 80s in that camper with both ACs running full tilt. Two 15,000 BTU ACs just wow, yeah. wide open. So usually me and Caroline left. Yeah, you guys would. We'd go to the library. Right. Or we'd go to Target. Right. A lot. <laughs> I didn't always buy stuff. Usually it was icy and popcorn for Caroline. Yeah. You know, it's so funny that when we lived there, she barely ever complained about it being hot. Ever. And that's hot over there. Right. And here, it's 83 degrees and we go for a walk and she's like, Mom, I think I need a break. It's so hot. Oh, excuse me. It's so hot. (laughs) It's so hot. (laughs) And I'm like, Sis, it's only getting hotter from here. Oh, that's just mostly because she's she gets bored easily now. That's true. That's that's really that's really what it is. Yeah, you try to go on a hike with that kid. If it's flat ground <sighs> and paved, she's miserable. You give that girl a thirty-six degree incline with boulders and briars and bears. She's in she's heaven. In heaven. She's like, come on, mom and dad, let's go. Let's see what's up here. So mm-hmm. I'm glad she's she enjoys a struggle. <laughs> But anyhow, Uh, back to Death Valley facts. It's also the lowest place in the United States. Do you remember how low, how far below sea level is the lowest point in Death Valley? Oh, I don't remember. I remember the the plaque on the rock showing where sea level was and how far down you were. Take a guess. I don't know. I'm probably going to guess way off. I'm really curious now. No, like 300 feet. Ooh, 282. Oh, okay. So I did good. Yeah, good Because you know what I almost said? Why? Like 1,200. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting? I, I got curious as I was looking this up, and the lowest place below sea level in the world is at the Dead Sea, and it's 1,360 feet below sea level. Dang. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's like, like you have your ocean and your land, oh, and yeah. then it's like, donk. Dude. Like a huge earthquake and like crack into the ocean up there. That would be wild, wouldn't it? Yeah. Anyhow, what's strange though is that even though it's the lowest place in the United States, it's only 76 miles from Mount Whitney, which is the tallest point in the United States. What do you mean 76 miles from? So the lowest point in the U.S. is only 76 miles from the highest point in the U.S. So if you just drive 76 miles, you're at Mount Whitney? Yes. I didn't realize Mount Whitney was in California. Okay, Google. 
Where is Mount Whitney? Here's a map of Mount Whitney, California. Oh. There you go. Okay. Google has spoken. She has she has fixed a lot of problems tonight. Yeah, I think I think it's fourteen thousand two hundred something. I, I didn't write that down, but anyhow, just a very unique geological location, mm-hmm. no freaking doubt. But the best time to visit Death Valley, and this is important to remember, is somewhere between November and March. Towards the middle of that would be probably a little bit better. Like I would suggest, you know, mid like January, mid, February. Yeah. Well, I would say mid December. Um, and then I would also say on the other side around February, like that's going to be your sweet spots. Mm-hmm. But any given time in, in that whole thing can really jack you up because the problem is there's so much difference in altitude. Right. So depending on where you are and right. where you're planning on traveling, you could really find yourself. You could yourself, run into snow. That's it. Well, you know, like in, in the wintertime. So let's just say if you wanted to go in January, well, that's all fine and well, but you might not be able to get in there depending on where you're coming from. Right. Because you'll, did they have a blizzard last year? Uh, it seems like it. Something crazy like yeah, that. Yeah. I, I know we had some friends who were trying to get in there and they couldn't even make it in because of the snow drifts. Snow drifts, yeah. But uh, once you got into the valley. It was different. 60s and 70s. Right. So that's the weird the weird thing. But then in the springtime, which is when we've always gone, mm-hmm. you have the wind. Yeah, we've always gone in March or April, right? Um, I think late February and March is kind of the time frame that we typically have gone. Okay. But uh, we'll get more into the wind later. And if yeah. you've watched our videos, you already know Sarah's, Sarah's experiences there. But the, the cool part is, is in the spring is your biggest chance for rain. And if you do get a nice rain, you get what's called a super bloom. Yeah. And that's when this barren desert explodes into just colorful life and it's yeah now it doesn't look like a springtime garden super bloom like you need to think like yes there is a lot of flowers and in certain areas it may be personified as super bloom but like we went two times during a super bloom and we were like i mean there's some flowers right there (laughs) but is this considered a super bloom yeah and i think like you're saying some places were better than others but I think I think some of that might have been a bit of marketing on the National Park Services sure. side of things mm-hmm. to get people come to come see in. see our super bloom in the desert. Um, but it is definitely a unique experience. Definitely, yeah. Because when you get, you know, large areas, get some pretty cool photos to see the desert with that Yeah, when you can it. tout that you're the hottest place on the earth. Yeah. And you can also tout that you've had a super bloom, then... It's pretty impressive. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So just, you know, right out the gate, let's just kind of dispel a few things or confirm a few things if, if you know... Maybe she may run at the moment. Yes, you got more. Mm-hmm. So all that being said, we're not trying to downplay the dangers that come with Death Valley. I mean, it is probably some of the more remote places that you're going to find in the Southwest. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the dangers are going to be heat, um, floods. It doesn't take much rain, you know, so you, to, to create a pretty incredible flood. So you want to be mindful of where you're camping, especially if you have forecasts that are calling for any type of precipitation, um, scorpions, rattlesnakes, and then the occasional old naked guy. Yeah. Believe it or not. So that could happen. It it has happened. We'll we'll tell more about that here in mm-hmm. just a minute. So if you're not intrigued yet, <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are some important things that you should take with you if you're going into Death Valley? Yeah, so definitely fuel is important, especially if you're going to go deep. You know, if you're looking at going to the Saline Springs or something like that, you want to bring them. You know, I, people always ask how much fuel. I always try and say. You know, because people have different fuel capacities. Well, they have different miles per gallons based on their rig. So 
Um, I w- always suggest bringing at least 70 to 100 miles worth of extra fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, extra water, uh, maybe a way to filter water, extra provisions, and then definitely emergency communications. You yeah. know, we've since day one, we've always carried, a, used to it was called a DeLorme. Um, mm-hmm. Then it was bought out by Garmin. Now it's the Garmin InReach. And we've used that to carry as an SOS device, but it's also really handy just to check in. Uh, so to, that somebody knows where we are. Right. So you can text people via satellite. So when you don't have signal, uh, you can still get out and say, hey, we're still good. Um, and then they can also ping your location. So if they haven't heard from you, they can actually ping that and see, see where you're currently located. So those are those are some things that I would definitely recommend someone. Number one, you should always carry that with you, to be honest with yeah. you. But mm-hmm. uh, especially when you're going into Death Valley. So when, when was our first trip into Death Valley? It was in 2016. We got invited by some friends that were stationed in California. And they enjoyed camping and backpacking and stuff and their youth. They had said, you know, let's, you know, meet up here and hang out together. And then we would go and hang out with them at their house afterwards. Right. Yeah. So we met them, met them in California. And mm-hmm. um, so we didn't get a lot of opportunity to do a bunch of research before we yeah, got Yeah, let's say there. we didn't, if I remember right, we, not that we went blind, but we didn't really go with a lot of information. Yeah, well, Evan. Sort of, Evan did more of it. Yeah. Evan pretty much, he had his high points that he wanted to hit. And so yeah. we were just going to kind of follow along with him. But right. um, he had a uh, pop-up camper that he had outfitted with some taller tires and, and leaf springs and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so we kind of had this idea that we could get into most places. And uh, we actually, that was when we were really starting to get into Gaia GPS yeah, and get familiar with it. And so we'd actually found a few camping alternatives on the outside of uh, the national park. Just, yeah, just so we to didn't save have to money. camp in campgrounds. Yeah. And so, yeah, we ended up camping on what's called the pads. Um, so it's just south of the, I think it's the Furnace Creek entrance. Yeah. And it's it's just like an old abandoned um, trailer park that was there, I think, for the mines or something. And uh, we were kind of up on the hill mm-hmm. from there. So we weren't actually on the paths. We were kind of away from the crowds and stuff. And, man. Like, yeah, we had found such a sweet spot. Overlooking. Um, Great views. The I think it's called the Funeral Mountains that are just to the east of it there Mm -hmm. just absolutely gorgeous i mean there's just so many cool pictures of caroline and stuff like drinking her hot chocolate in the morning oh that's one of my favorite pictures oh yeah yeah good times she had to have that every morning right yeah that was that was a really fun fun place to camp right there and you know every every day it was just perfect weather a little bit cool enough to wear a jacket Mm -hmm. zero wind and we thought oh we have we have found it this, this is, is their new favorite spot. Yeah, this was this was thinking awesome. Yeah. But then things changed a little bit. Yeah. So we had decided, like, when we had met, we picked our camp spot, and then we camped immediately that night. We didn't get to go and do anything right. when we first met up. And so then the second day, we kind of took it slow because we were catching up with each other, and we went, like, into town, like, into Furnace Creek, and checked around there and did 20 Mule Canyon or something like that, right? right? Uh-huh. And then we decided, let's go back and let's do a big dinner and campfire, yada, yada, yada. And still beautiful, beautiful. So on our second full day there, we decided we were going to try and hit all, like, a majority of the things that we Evan had wanted us to see. Yeah. So when we started out, 
we went up Echo Canyon, right? Right. And then from there, where did we go? Well, once you come out Echo Canyon, you kind of go back out of the park and you hit some BLM land out there. Mm-hmm. And um, that was kind of uncharted territory for us. We were, you know, watching the Gaia GPS app and stuff and, and trying to figure out how to link up to Titus Canyon. Right. We might have got a little distracted. <laughs> it was fun. It it was fun. Yeah. Like, but... High speed running through the desert. Yeah, you guys, um, you guys definitely fulfilled some childhood dreams right there. Oh, it was, it was just absolutely. <laughs> hey, no, you drive past <laughs> me really fast, okay? Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was awesome. Especially you know, a couple of country boys from Tennessee who never really yeah. had the opportunity to run and gun like that in the wide open desert was was pretty pretty stinking awesome. Oh yeah, definitely. I just remember <laughs> Evan's wife Shelly was. <laughs> Pregnant, like six months pregnant. I think she was seven. Like closer, months. seven months. Yeah, something. that's an important fact. And at one point, like <laughs> we were doing these like kind of whoops yeah. pretty quickly, uh-huh. and I thought to myself, I don't know how she is handling this right now because they're no offense, Jeep owners, they're in a Jeep. Yeah. And like, not even after me thinking that over the radio, Evan goes, "Hey, I need to slow down. Shelly's getting uncomfortable." <laughs> and I was like, "I was wondering when she was going to say something." Yeah, I don't know. Last thing we needed was a Death Valley baby right yeah. there. Yeah. Jeez. No thanks. Yeah, we had a blast though, but we we burnt a little bit too much time mm-hmm. playing around to make it to Titus Canyon. But when we did, oh my gosh, like talk about gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Well, for the first half, because that's what we could see. The second yeah. half But was, it was still cool getting to do that because yeah. when the sun was going down, it was shining on the rocks and it was a whole other it's color true. story. You that's know? true. But yeah, so we're down in Titus Canyon and as you get further and further down, the walls get taller and taller and taller. And so we're just going along having a blast. We've got all of our LED lights on and it feels like you're driving through a cave. Yeah, it really does. It was so dark. Because it's pitch black yeah. outside. And it literally felt like we were driving through this just enormous cave. So it was a cool experience. It was. Um, night, it, night runs are fun, too. They really are. They really are. And if you've already done Titus Canyon in the past, you know, maybe you try doing it at night just to kind of get a different experience. Because that was our first experience yeah. was in the dark. Right. And uh, it was gorgeous. It was really awesome. But... Uh, what happened when we came out the other side? Well, being in those, in that canyon, it really turns almost into like a, a slot canyon kind of feel. And so you're very sheltered from everything that's going outside of it. And then when we came out of it, we came out of it into like a whirlwind death trap. <laughs> yeah, that wind was whipping about 50 miles an hour when we came out the other side. At least. It was bad. But it was a it was a good hour drive uh-huh. from where we popped out. Right, through to get Furnace down, Creek to get back, back to the pads. To camp. Yeah. yeah. And so we're just getting blown all over the road and we're like, guys, if it's like this here, what's it going to be like? Up on the Up shelf. Up on the shelf <laughs> where our camp is. Exposed. Yeah. 360 degree view, baby. Yeah. Like just on the top looking at That's looking it. it over. Look at this view. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so needless to say, when we get there, um, we had our turtle back trailer and we, I mean, we left everything open minus the kitchen, but we had the tent open and did we even have the awning out? We had the, an- no, the awning wasn't out, but we had the annex on the That's tent. That's right. On yeah. the tent. Yeah. Uh, and then our friends had a pop-up camper. And so when we get up there, our tent, our rooftop tent was folded over and I'm pretty sure our poop tent 
was fallen over too. It was right? it wasn't just fallen over, but there was a bucket with poop. With poop. In there that uh-huh. had fallen over with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the situation. Yeah. So when we pulled in, we were like, oh no. And Kev was like, uh, I don't think we can sleep in our tent tonight if <laughs> we, it, if this was folding over as it was. Yeah, we we pulled it all back out again, and I don't know we had we hadn't had very many nights in a rooftop tent to start with. Right. But we pulled it all. We opened it back up. We staked it back down as best as we could. We parked the forerunner in front of it and like lashed the tent to the forerunner, and we crawled up in it. And guys, the wind was blowing so hard. Sarah and I had to yell at each other. Yeah. In order to hear each other. And we yeah. were like, there's no way we're going to sleep through this. We're going to sleep up here. Not to mention the fact that we're afraid to tear this brand new tent. Yeah. We know? didn't know it's we didn't know its capabilities. No. We probably would have been just fine. Knowing what we do now. Yeah. Knowing what we do now. But so at that point we decided shoot bell well, out because yeah. we still needed it we still needed to eat supper i remember now we still needed to eat supper so what oh, we did right. is we went over into evan and chili's when i say pop-up camper i mean like the classic canvas pop-up and tiny yeah and tiny so it's two twin two, beds two, on opposite uh, sides full. and so they they said well fold your tent down come on over to our tent we'll cook some dinner on our and so we scrunched inside this this miniature pop-up camper yeah and luckily our kids were little yeah so we had mountain house yep huge shout out to mountain house they do not sponsor us but their food is amazing the chili mac chili mac with some bread yeah because that's what's evan's favorite a little bit of toast yeah probably the best um grit filled dinner i've ever had in Uh my life but yeah we had good times in there and again could hardly talk just because of the wind was slapping the sides of the canvas so much and they're like, well, you guys just want to sleep in here? Or at least, I mean, like, not really sleep, but just pile into a corner and stay out of the wind all night. Yeah. And so we did that. Mm-hmm. So they were over on one side and then... How old was Eli? He's a year older than Caroline. Yeah, so... So he was four and so, she was three. So it was a pregnant woman. Uh-huh. <laughs> a seven-months pregnant woman, Evan. There. Who's like, what, your height, six two? Yeah. Um, and Eli, who was four, four, all on one side, and then me, Sarah, and Caroline on the other side, and and like it's just basically perma spoon, like that's the only yeah. position that you nobody could get was in. rolling, and you couldn't hear yourself think. So we were laying there, um, and when I say dozed off, I mean like got to a point psychologically where you're like, okay, this is just my life for tonight. Yeah. I'm just going to at least rest my brain. (laughs) And so just as we're starting to relax, quote unquote, guys, a gust hit. So hard. It hit so hard that it twisted. And I don't know if it was like a vortex or, you know, like a a cyclone or, or what, but it twisted the camper so much so that it popped the door open. Yeah. And this wind came inside, and so plates and spoons and uh-huh. cups and stuff. Bread went, and napkins. It went and flying everywhere. Everywhere. We literally, in that instant, because we were so, a little so groggy, we were like, um, Sarah said a bad word. I did say a bad word. She said, get the bleep to the forerunner. And what was funny is Caroline's already out. Oh, yeah. Cold. She's gone. She's gone. So we take off running, and we jump in the forerunner. They jump in their Jeep. <laughs> And we're all like, what 
what, what, just, do, we, what do we do? What just happened? So we get on the CB to talk mm-hmm. to each other because we both had CBs. And we're like, dude, what the heck was that? Because we estimated 50, 60 mile an hour sustained mm-hmm. when we went to bed. And then this gust hit and almost ripped their camper apart. Oh, yeah. And so we're like, I guess we're just going to have to camp out in the cars. You know, that's the safest thing to do at this point. Yeah. And we had actually taken ratchet straps and parked our vehicles in front of their pop-up camper Mm -hmm. and ratchet strapped their camper to the vehicles. It wasn't sitting out by itself, y'all. It was in a V formed by the vehicles. Right. We were afraid that the wind was going to blow so hard it was going to turn over the Forerunner. Yeah, I remember. It was moving that much. I remember like tailwinds coming and literally feeling like myself like rise up in the seat. <laughs> like her poor little butt was just getting picked up. Yeah. So we slept in the Forerunner that night and we would, I would hold Caroline for an hour and then we would switch. And yep. Caroline would hold Sarah. for, for an, so yeah. Sarah would hold Caroline for yeah. a little So while. we would swap back. And we had so much crap in the Forerunner because we were still learning how to pack. Well, and but we had also just literally thrown everything in there, too. Oh, that's like true. Like all of our bedding. That's true. So that we can close down the tent yeah. and all of that. So Yeah, we were not prepared. So that was our welcome to Death Valley. You thought it was just this little cakewalk and no. then it slapped you in the face. And that's what Death and Valley like, can do. Literally, I remember for a year after that, when we went camping, if it got the least bit, least bit windy, I was like. <laughs> it, it it did. And, and honestly, like it would give us anxiety when we were back in our fifth wheel camper. That's true. I remember they're like not really being worried about it. But then just because of that, being like, will this camper actually be okay? Yeah. It, 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 honestly, it traumatizes just a, just a little bit. It did. But um, yeah, that was our introduction to Death Valley. So with that, we decided a year later that we were going to go back with the Herd of Turtle trip. That's right. Yeah. Hey, it can't be that bad. No. But it won't happen to us again. No, it, that was an exceptional event. And I remember having this conversation with you because Because I like, didn't want to go. No. I was like, I've been there, done that, not going back. But I was so impressed with the little bit that we had seen. And I knew there was so much more. I was like, no, babe, don't worry about it. It's That's going to happen from time to time. And maybe it'll be a little windy, but it's not going to be 80 miles an hour again. Well, we're driving on our way there, listening to the weather report, watching a... Haboob dust storm form in front of us. Yep. And I realize we're driving straight into the teeth of the storm yet again. And at night. Yeah. The sun was setting, coming in at night. And so what did I... What did I start to do? So we decided to watch. Let me preface this. We decided before... When we knew we wanted to talk about Death Valley, we decided we would go back and watch... Our videos, right? Right. So there's one of them, and it's this trip that we're going out, and Kevin decides to film us having the conversation about, hey, looks like we're driving straight up into a haboob, and it's probably going to be super windy again. And I said, we're going to find a hotel. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that again. So in the video, his voiceover says, with all the hotels being booked up, and tonight I literally looked at him and I said... <laughs> They were not booked up. <laughs> I remember I had found two that we could have gone to. and But we yeah, we would have paid $200 for it. 
but we would have slipped. Guys, I'm literally holding my tongue from saying so many naughty words (laughs) because I cannot tell you how like this literally just makes me so mad. It literally makes me so mad. Okay, but here's the thing that you're not bringing up. So the hotels that were that we started calling the Holiday Inns, the Hampton Inns, the Fairfield Glades, whatever. Those are all booked up. So the ones that Sarah is talking to, the names of these hotels make you question exactly what kind of hotel they are because they're in Nevada and these particular counties of Nevada. Now you're don't, you are uh, taking a whole um, other stretch on this. So these that was not <laughs> the type of hotels that I was calling. So these hotels offer um, shall we say turn down service? Yeah. So in the, those particular counties of Nevada, um, the oldest profession in the world is still considered legal. And so the names of these hotels that she's reading off to me that she's called are somewhat questionable. And so no, that that's that's it. Not. That's all I'm saying is like I would rather sleep in a windy tent than with Wendy. You know what I'm saying? If that's how you would like to tell the story, that's fine. But that's not how it was. I think that makes a great story, though. It makes a great the story. The only that's hotels not that true. were available were with the um, ladies of the night. That's not the reality. Okay. So anyhow, what did we do instead? We go back to the same <laughs> dang place. <laughs> But Kev says, but this time, we won't go up on the hill. No. We'll stay down here. Yeah. It'll be different. Yeah, we'll get down here out of the wind. <laughs> um, that didn't work. And yet again, we pull in super late. I can, so y'all, I'm setting up the tent. Like, Sarah will not, I'll never forget this. Sarah refuses to get out of the forerunner. Yeah. He's, you're literally like, aren't you coming to help me? I said, no, I am not. Because I had found two hotels we could have gone to. <laughs> and so I get out and I'm laughing at her. And I shut the door and a gust hits and it almost knocks me off my feet. <laughs> and so I'm going, oh, this is probably not the smartest move. But anyhow, um, I start setting up the tent and I get a bunch of uh, polycord, um, parachute cord. And I'm like putting extra lashes like across the tent, tying it down, like trying to reduce the flapping and stuff. And I get it all, <laughs> get it all ready. And I'm like, okay, babe, now we can we can get on up in, in bed now. And we climb up there and it's in the video. I think it's I think it's the the um Death Valley Herded Hurdles part one. Mm-hmm. And there's just a few little clips, but the the wind was blowing so hard. Number one, it Again, you couldn't hear yourself think, and and they said that it hit eighty mile an hour gusts that night. I don't know if yeah, when that's, we went down to Furnace Creek. Yeah, I don't know if that's what hit us, but I, I know it had to be pretty crazy. But I had my feet on the crossbars of the tent from the direction of the wind, and I give it kudos. That design is freaking tough. Um, and so the end of the tent was moving about three quarters to one inch. You know, the, the the physical metal poles were moving that much. And so I slept with my feet kind of on those so that if it did decide to collapse, I, I would kind of have a bit of a warning. But I tell you what, it got worse at 4 o'clock that morning. And we decided, yeah, maybe this thing will stand up to it. Maybe it won't. 
But, you know, we've got several days here in Death Valley. We don't want to destroy our tent on the first night. True. So it's 4 a.m. We've gotten a bit of rest. I wouldn't call it sleep. So we folded up. Well, and my thing is, is that for me personally, is that if it was, no, I really wasn't sleeping. I was dozing, resting, be going in and out of consciousness, whatever. <laughs> right. But so long as I'm laying down, yeah, I'm okay. Right. Well, at least it was rocking you to sleep. Yeah. So yeah, at 4 a.m., I'm like, hey, I'm mm. afraid this tent's going to come apart. Yeah. Hindsight, I don't think it would have. No. Hindsight, I think that tent... Caroline was sleeping like a dream. I think that tent would sustain probably a, a 90 plus mile an hour guest just because of the way the canvas works with the way that the poles are designed and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, flash forward, I sleep just fine in a windstorm. Um, if we've got earplugs... Yeah. Th- those are those are that really, makes it much better. Yeah, mm-hmm. I sometimes have a hard time using those because I'm always like Mister Alert, listening to my surroundings. But anyhow, you never know when a squat is gonna sneak up on you and steal your jerky or anything or like that. Or a bear come and blow hot air on your hand. Hey, hey, I'm pretty sure that happened. So with that being said, we ended up moving to the car. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and slept there for what about two and a half, three hours for this till until the sun came back up. Yeah. When little Caroline pops her little head up. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. What are we doing in the Forerunner? We're doing in the car. Yeah. In a Forerunner. Forerunner. She still says that to I this know. day. I love it. I, I, I have a hard time correcting her. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Welcome back to Death Valley. Here's you an hour and a half of fitful sleep. Um, Guys, 80 I was mile hour winds. still so mad. She was ready to go home at that point. I was. I was like, there's no point in us staying. Right. And but we were like, well, let's go down to Furnace Creek, get some coffee, and see what the weather's going to be. Because I told Kev, I said if it's going to be windy tonight, because it was still blasting wind uh-huh. all morning. Yeah, that's true. And I said if it's going to be windy tonight, I'm going home. What was funny was when we drove back out of there, like there were dome tents and stuff that were completely collapsed. Like oh snapped, yeah, like graphite poles completely snapped. And you would see people in their like in their Priuses cars. or whatever with their mouth agape with their head back. Yep. <laughs> just sleeping in their cars. So yeah, it's it was legit. It wasn't just us. But uh finally at that point is when our Death Valley experience started to turn around though, because we got out of there, did Echo Canyon again to Mesquite Campground. That was a beautiful stay. Uh, got up the next day and went up to the Ubihibi crater. And it was a little breezy that night, but it wasn't. Oh yeah, we it were wasn't, fine. Yeah, we were fine. So we were used to it at that point, anyhow. Yeah, but Plus uh, I, I probably had plenty of wine. Oh yeah, I think in the video we mentioned that just a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little sleep aid. Yeah. So we went to the Ubihibi after that. That's a weird name, Ubihibi. It's like the heebie-jeebies. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Ubihibi. Do you have it up there? I it think is. it's I think it's uh, Shoshone for big hole in ground. Oh my god! <laughs> um, I I researched what that you know what what it was because I I thought that it was like an old volcano cone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Actually, what happened was tell us. Let's so a little bit of uh, history lesson because you know I like to talk about. Tell us your the land we're traveling. Tell us your true facts. Who came before us and all those things. Yeah. Sarah likes to make fun of me for it. Um, Everybody pull up a chair. <laughs> uh, throw a log on that campfire. Yeah. We're gonna be here a little bit longer. A little bit longer. <laughs> um, no, I'll go through. I'll go through this real quick. So basically, you have varying levels of 
water tables and stuff in the ground and in Death Valley you also have a unique thing where you have a lot of thermal springs and much further down hot magma at some point in time and in don't quote me on this but I think it's between 900 and 3000 years ago the hot magma came up through the ground and contacted this water table and what it did is as soon as it hit it it turned it into steam and basically created a bomb and it blew this crater out of the ground. And I think it's like 600 and something feet deep in a half, half mile, mile or three quarter mile across. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine today, oh, we're out here camping in Death Valley. And all of a sudden, Ooh. like this mountainside just explodes. No. Like I would have thought somebody had bombed us. Well, that's essentially what, and I mean, that's a big, big old bomb. So, yeah. There you have UBAB Crater. And that's that's the first artifact along our little adventure. Mm-hmm. And so from there we left and we're going up. I can't remember the name of that trail at this point. But um, we went up to Tea Kettle Junction, Junction. Mm-hmm. which no one really knows the history of. I tried researching it. Um, but basically travelers from many, many, many years ago, maybe 100 plus years ago, would hang a tea kettle on a fence post at this particular um, junction in the roads. And it just became a tradition. And so people would take a tea kettle and leave a tea kettle. And so today it's mostly just people leaving them. And I think there's um, I think there's a off-road club that like comes out and cleans them up every so often just because there gets to be so many of them. But it's just a tradition. If you're going to Death Valley, take a tea kettle, mm-hmm. put your name on it, hang it out there on the signpost. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's neat. And then probably about four miles from that, you come across what's called the racetrack playa Mm -hmm. or the racetrack. What's unique about this is it has traveling rocks. And if you look at these rocks, you can see skid marks from where these rocks have moved, not just a few feet, hundreds of yards Mm -hmm. across the floor of the desert. Mm -hmm. And usually when you're there, it's dry as a bone. But there's some interesting studies that have been done over the years. Like, you know, like people suspected... Everything from extremely high winds to alien encounters. Like, I mean, the the theories have been all over the place, but uh, eventually they figured out what it was is that during certain times of the year, and it's generally fairly rare that this happens, but uh, there's enough rain to put a couple of inches of water on the salt flat, and then it gets cold enough at night to freeze it. And if there's any kind of wind, the next morning when the bottom of it starts to thaw out, now you have this very, very thin layer of ice across this desert floor. And just the static wind across the top of it moves that ice. So it becomes a very thin iceberg. So when it contacts these boulders, it slowly pushes them across this muddy lake bed at the time. That's so crazy. And so people would come out, you know, obviously after this event had taken place, and they'd look and go, how did this 100-pound rock mm-hmm. move from that mountain over there over here to this? Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It's so unreal. And that's not it. That's just getting started. That's just the oddities keep coming. So from there, you get on Lippincott Pass and make your way down in Lippincott you drove it. Yeah, it's no joke. Especially your first time. It can be a little daunting, yeah. for sure. What would be your suggestions or advice to someone who's traveling Lippincott? Because you did it with a trailer. Yeah. I mean, it. so it it's a severe drop-off on the driver's side. Because anytime we've always done it, we've always done it this one specific way. Down. Down. Uh, and so if you're going down, 
it's a severe drop off on the driver's side. So just, I mean, just le- legit taking your time. Right. That that's the only. Yeah. I mean, that's the key to really any <laughs> anything that you're not very comfortable with is just take your time and plot out your your course well. And there wasn't anything too technical about it no. other than there's a couple of uh, washouts where the camber ooh, was it, a little, little oh, sketchy. A little bit of pucker factor. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful drive. And and as you come down, you start to see the Saline Valley on the other side. And it's just, it's otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then you get down into the Saline Valley. And if you hadn't, I think it's north from there. You work your way out to the Saline Hot Springs. And and the Saline Hot Springs, and that's really kind of the meat of the story here. Mm-hmm. Because that's our favorite part. It is. In the whole park. It's not something that you're going to find on a park map. And if you ask a park ranger about it, <laughs> they're going to say they don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, they generally, it's it's not widely publicized because it's kind of the, uh, it's it's kind of one of these areas in the national park that people have just decided to look the other way on. Because it's been around for so long. It's been around since the 60s. And it the whole area was basically established when it was a national monument, not mm-hmm. a national park. Right. Uh, I think that it was in maybe the 70s or early 80s is when they actually annexed that as part of the national park. But out here in the middle of the desert, three hours from civilization, you have these hot springs that are bubbling up out of the ground in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And back in the 60s, um, I'll just call it what it is, these hippies. Mm-hmm. Started taking a few bags of quickcrete and some tile and a palm tree here and a palm tree there. And every weekend they would come out from, I don't know, was it Baker, California that's close to there? And, yeah. And, and they would come out and they started building these pools. To catch the water. And they mixed it with some cool springs that were out there as well. And over the course of several years, they basically took this wilderness and y'all made it into a paradise. I, I would say an oasis. She says an oasis. I call it a paradise. Well, but let, let's think of this. We didn't consider it a paradise till the second time we had gone to the Springs. That's true. The first time we went. So the first time, this was in 2017. That we, we had seen the Springs. We come off Lippincott Pass, and we've been told by Dave, the who is then the owner of Turtleback, that, hey, there's these hot springs that we're going to go out to. And there was a bit of uh, joking that there might be a few naked people, blah, 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 like, ha-ha, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we're driving into the hot springs, and we look over, and sure enough, there's several naked people just letting it all hang out. Yeah. Which was a totally new experience for us. Right. Um, I wouldn't say that we're prudes, but we're right. not. But, mm, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that was a bit odd at first. Yeah. And so we kind of set up camp a little ways off of the spring. Yeah, because there's two, kind of like two sections. Yeah, so the lower springs, uh-huh. which is where it all happens. It's it. That's the original birthplace of this. Right. And then there's the mid springs, which is... Uh-huh. Somewhat been understood to be the family area, right. from what we've been told. There, there, there's only two pools up there, and they're right. much bigger. Like probably like twelve to fifteen people could fit in those. Sure. Yeah. 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 So we get set up, and and 
you know, everyone's like, now if you're awkward with the nudity, don't worry. You know, you can go up after dark and no one can, no one carries flashlights. So you can, you know, enjoy the springs and blah, blah, blah. So we did that. And it was, Mm -hmm. it was absolutely Oh, so nice. Phenomenal. The water was just the right temperature. Yeah. Caroline was in heaven. Homegirl loves to be in the water. Yeah. And what's funny, like, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about someone who tagged us in a post on Instagram. It's probably been about a month or two ago who went out to Death Valley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're videoing this guy in front of them who's carrying his chair and he's buck ass naked. And just walking up the road, and they were flipping out, like, oh, my gosh, there's a naked guy right here. <laughs> and that was probably internally what we were feeling, too, oh, the yeah. first time around. Yeah, it definitely was the first time around. It was like you you saw a butt, and you're like, oh, you look the <laughs> other way, you know. It, it was it was your eyes. Yeah, it was very, very awkward. But So we, we got set up and, and had a great time. But we learned a hard lesson the first night. Do you remember... Why it went down. Don't leave anything out. What what you know, what else is in Death Valley besides rattlesnakes? Burrows. Wild wild burrows. burrows. Do you know why they're there? Before we get into that, I do. Oh, do tell. So from Kevin's schooling, uh-huh. the the teacher pet will answer the question. <laughs> so what had happened was is there's mining. For salt? Well, there's a lot of mines. There's a lot of mines up there. There's uh, borax. Borax was the number one thing. Uh But then there was also a lot of gold, silver, and talc. Okay. So with that being said, miners had donkeys or burrows to help cart equipment, diggings, all of that stuff. So whenever the mine closed or shut down... Instead of carting everything out, they just left it all, including the burrows. And the burrows kept making baby burrows. And now there are wild burrows <laughs> in Death Valley National Park. Right. And particularly around the, the hot, hot springs. springs. Yeah. Pretty bad. Yeah. Some of them are big, too. Yeah. They're not just like the mini ones. Not not a mini burrow? Not a mini burrow. <laughs> a big old burrow. They're a big old burrow. <laughs> oh. But uh, so, yeah, that first night we had we had heard, hey, make sure you put everything up um, because these burrows, they're inquisitive. They'll get in your trash, blah, blah, blah. And so with the turtle back, no problem. Boom, boom, yeah, boom. We lock shut everything up, up, no lock, big deal. lock everything up, trash in the trash room. We were golden. Mm-hmm. And we go to bed and it's a nice steel night. Oh, it is. And we're obviously tired from you know the previous night's winds and stuff and so we were just sleeping like babies. Yeah, we had gone to the hot pool first and then yeah. we came down and like we were all cozy, we were cuddly. Relaxed. There was a little breeze. I remember all the windows are open. Right. And we we had had probably a couple of glasses of wine. Yeah. And we were just as relaxed as we could be and and like I would say that that was probably the experience that started turning our opinion of Death Valley. Right. But we were like, oh, okay, we can get into yeah, this. This is what this free is free jacuzzis. Yeah, <laughs> that's oh, fine. Sign us up. So yeah, we were living high on life, and then about three, four o'clock in the morning. I feel like it was right before sunrise. Yeah, it was. It was early morning. Cause like we could see when you looked out, you could see. Well, the the moon was up. Oh. But you hear hear clip clop, clip clop, clip clop, clip clop. I'm like. Oh, that must be the the burrows people have been talking about. That's cool. And uh, clip, clop, clip, clop. And it gets closer and it gets closer. 
And then all of a sudden, the whole trailer starts rocking back and forth <laughs> and i'm like what's going on so and i'm, I'm like, thinking it's kevin like flipping and flopping and moving around i'm like what are you doing so and he's like scrambling outside of the tent like running out the door yeah so i'm in my bvds yeah that's it and what actually what happened is i popped my head out the window to start with and here's this burrow trying to rip the trash roo off of the back of the turtle back. Yep. And that's, so the, the tailgate's open and that's why the whole trailer is moving and stuff. And I'm like, hey, get out of here. And then all of a sudden I see it pick something up and walk away and then throw it up in the air and slam it on the ground. And I'm like, what well, that was get? weird. Maybe yeah. he stole something from another camp or whatever. And then I hear it pick it up again. And the second time it goes, slosh, slap. And I go, Oh my gosh, this burrow has stolen our box of wine. <laughs> but where did we leave it that he got to it? We forgot. Was it, it just on the tailgate? We forgot it because it was on the table and we had like shoved it up in that corner right there. Oh. And that was one thing that we missed when we cleaned up. Okay. And this burrow had grabbed our box of wine and was in the process of ripping it open. And so I come down out of there and I'm chasing this burrow through camp in my BVDs. Yep. <laughs> And finally, it drops the bag. At this point, it's a bag. The box has been ripped off of it. Uh-huh. Drops the bag of wine. And we're not necessarily luscious, so it's still no. pretty freaking full. And I'm like, I don't want to waste all this. So uh-huh. I pick it up and I carry it back and I put it in a plastic sack. And it's, you know, wine's leaking everywhere. But long story short, we ended up the next morning putting it into a water bottle. Because uh-huh. we're like, hey, we, we still got a couple more days. Yeah. <laughs> and salvaging what was well, left of the wine. But that, and to this day, I actually still have part of the box. Well, here's the thing. The next day, we're talking about it. We're telling the story. And the wind starts to pick up. And uh, we'd actually gone out and looked for the rest of it just to make sure we got our trash cleaned up. Mm. Couldn't find it. We're making breakfast and the wind picks up. And what comes rolling into camp was the cardboard box mm-hmm. for the box of wine. That's right. Where is it now? I think I have it in a box in storage somewhere. We kept that box. Yeah. Because I was like, I want to put this in a shadow box. <laughs> so one day we're going to frame this cheapo cardboard uh-huh. box of wine. The damn burrow wine. <laughs> <laughs> From this burrow who stole our wine in Death Valley. He's the local drunk. He is. So there was a lot of jokes that came came oh, from that the next day. So many jokes. So many. But uh yeah, that was our introduction to the hot springs and our introduction to, to the burrows and, and appreciating Death Valley. Yeah. At that point, like now yeah, it was miserable, but no other place do we have so many cool stories and experiences mm-hmm. from than we do from Death Valley. And every time we go there, you know, it challenges challenges us in a new way. So we went back again in 2018 with mm-hmm. a much different perspective at that point. Right. We had just uh, decided we were going full-time. The trip was later that year. It yeah. was in April. The yeah. first weekend of April or something. Right. Yeah. Right. So we were we were just wrapping up a lot of our prep work. Yep. You know, to head uh, to Alaska at that point. Mm-hmm. And that was our shakedown run of a lot of the mods and stuff that we had done, the new yep. suspension that was on the turtle back and things like that. Or maybe it wasn't on yet. No, suspension no, was wasn't on, on until after Expo. Yeah. But yeah. So anyhow, we we head back into Death Valley this next time. And, and we've already talked about it with other 
herd members and we're like, you know, screw this. Let's just get to the hot springs as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. So the first night we stayed on Echo Canyon just to kind of show people the touristy stuff and do Badwater Basin and show, you know, 282 feet below. Furnace Creek. Furnace Creek, all that stuff. And then we booked it for for the hot springs, did Lippincott, all that stuff Mm -hmm. again. Spent a lot of time on Lippincott because someone busted an axle. Yep. On Lippincott. So I spent uh, two or three hours, mm-hmm. two trips, getting this guy back off of there. Um, yeah, but that was that was still a fun experience. I enjoy that that challenge. Yeah. Um, but then we finally got down there to, to the hot springs mm-hmm. and spent, spent a few days. And we were actually camping with um, Justin and Claire and Kane of 230 mm-hmm. USA. So if, if you've ever bought anything from 2330 you've probably dealt with justin at some point you know he's australian and claire's from new zealand and just salt of the earth kind of people and uh so we were hanging out with them and uh our at this point so the next trip we actually stayed at the lower springs yeah which is kind of where the party happens yeah and much more comfortable at this point with the whole well we had actually had some new turtleback trailer owners who come out to the hot springs like once a month. Do you oh, remember yeah. that couple? Oh, yeah. I can't remember their names. Yeah, but. they were they were frequent visitors. But yeah, so they're like, no, stay down here at the lower part. That's This is where it's fun. And we were like, okay. Yeah. But uh, we had a very different perspective of it at that point. We had time to kind of adjust. And, you know, it, the nudity side of it wasn't a big deal. For no. whatever reason, At this during this trip, it was just like... Uh, we were just there to have a good time. We we were there to have a good time. Once you get over the the initial shock of it, mm-hmm. and you go out and actually experience them, and you enjoy them yourself, you realize that it's not that big of a deal. No. We're all born this way. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of people who have varying degrees of comfort with it, but we had definitely kind of relaxed a lot, <laughs> relaxed quite a bit. So it wasn't a big deal for us. But uh, dude, those lower springs. Oh, it's so neat. So like, you know, we all had our little little things figured out. And the way it's set up is you kind of almost have private pools in some areas. Like there's mm-hmm. a there's a huge tin. Um, I think it used to be like an old mixer or something um, in like a bakery or whatever. Oh, but yeah. you can like crawl in that thing. There's the crystal pool, which was kind of the main pool. Uh-huh. Um, they've added a couple others since... Uh, since the there's main a shower ones. spot yeah there's a, a shower spot. <laughs> yeah there's an old cast iron tub uh-huh. you can sit in like you can um, fill up and take a bath in it yeah. it's it's really really quite interesting but uh <laughs> so at, at at night you know the the wives and the kids are going to sleep and the guys are sitting on the campfire and talking or whatever and uh there's like three carloads of these college girls shows up <laughs> And they all go heading off to the uh, to the hot springs, and so the guys were joking like, "Hey, yeah, we need to go out here and hang up, hang out with these kids or whatever." And so uh, we all go traipsing up through there, trying to find a pool that's open or whatever. And <laughs> they found these kids, <laughs> and I, I don't know what they imagined it was going to be like. Yeah. But uh, so they all sit down in these pools, and we're hanging out, and all these college kids are completely naked. But it's dark, so it's it's all, like, you can't see anything, right? Right. Well, <laughs> one of the guys in our group, like, clicks on his headlamp, <laughs> and these girls start freaking out. And they're like, no light, no light, no light. So he shuts it off, and then he starts talking 
they start talking about, well, what are you going to school for and blah, blah, blah. And this one girl, you know, it's, it's full on Valley girl. Like, so like, I really want to be like an artist and blah, blah, blah. And one of the guys in our group is like laying some hard, cold facts on her. Like, that's saying, not going to happen. Not gonna, you're going to have to find you're you a gonna job. You're not going to make any money. And so all of a sudden, like all these other kids just disappear. They start, well, they start kind of like going two yeah, at a time. Yeah, they start like, disappearing. And so we're sitting over, me and Justin are sitting over inside the pool, just laughing about the whole thing that's going down. And uh, so finally everybody gives up and they just all go to bed. And so it's just me and Justin hanging out. And uh, <laughs> we hear these footsteps through the dark. And here comes this guy and uh, he sits down and there's no, there's no light. There's, there's not even a moon, but there's just enough that you can kind of see outlines and stuff. And this guy's all propped up with his leg like, this crazy as a loon. And he starts going off talking about all these random things. Like we're Justin and I are trying to have a conversation with the guy, but it's not landing. You right. know, he's 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 going off on conspiracy theories. He's he's saying that he did this thing for the Queen of England. And it wasn't long before Justin and I, without being able to make eye contact, we're like, Okay, this guy's legit crazy. You know, we need to whatever. And so before too long, he goes into this tirade about Indian traditions and how in the Indian culture, the medicine man is the one who does the rites of passage. And then he starts making some suggestive comments about some not type of rites of passage, right? Certain rites of passage and and things that um, young boys might do. And then he goes completely silent in in the darkness, we can tell he's staring intently at both Justin and I. And without, <laughs> again, without having to make eye contact, Justin and I both stood up at the exact same moment and said, <laughs> well, good night. Uh, I think it's time to head on back to the tent. <laughs> and so Justin and I to this day, we joke that he's the medicine man. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was our, that was our strange experience in, in, in the, uh, in the hot, the hot pools. We've had, a wide range of experiences, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite an amazing place for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. I did not have any weird experiences. No. All, all of mine was strictly kosher. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then like all the other turtleback owners left like the next day. And so we stayed for another three days mm-hmm. and, and man. Oh, it was nice. Just get up, cook some breakfast, hang out at camp, go up, jump in the hot pool. Get some shade. Yeah. And and then in the midday when it got hot, go hit the cool the cold pools, mm-hmm. cool off for a bit, lay in the shade. Um, there's, I guess it's St. Augustine grass someone had planted there. Mm-hmm. And so there's like this manicured yard. Yeah, they actually have it set up to where there's like a sprinkler system. Yeah, to it's just it. a gravity-fed sprinkler system, and then yeah. they turn the burrows in to mow the grass. Yeah, it's just so cool. It's yeah. so otherworldly. It's very Gilligan's Island. Uh uh-huh. Like you're kind of. It's really surreal. You're like, am I really here? Yeah, and there's there's a library, so there's books yep. you can go and check out. You just got to make sure and shut the doors so that the burrows don't get in and eat the books. Um, there's a caretaker, so there's a full time caretaker who manages the pools. Technically, he's not supposed to be there because it's against park regulations. But again, Mm -hmm. this whole area is um, kind of overlooked. And then even like, you know, the nudity, technically under national park laws, um, nudity isn't against the law. It's just lewd behavior. Oh. 
so there's there's actually a new agreement that's come out for the long term care of this um of the hot springs themselves, the warm springs themselves. Like there was a lot of discourse that's gone on over the past like eight years, uh, as far as coming up with a plan that protects the history of the hot springs. Yeah. And, you know, the people who built them up to be what they are. And well, because more and more people are finding them and it's becoming more and more popular. Right. So. And so, you know, they obviously need a plan to, to continue this because it's it's a piece of history. I mean, these things were built by hand. Well, and the second somebody gets seriously injured or dies there, like who knows what could happen to it if they're not proactively doing something to right maintain it and yeah. take care of it. Yeah, so so they've come up with a solid plan to to take care of it and um what's interesting is back last year in May we went to um we went on a joint adventure with Light Force and Ronnie Dahl mm-hmm. um in Arizona and we started having some conversations around the campfire. And then all of a sudden Sarah comes running over to me. She goes, Sarah, she goes, Kevin, you're not going to believe this. Bill, who was our camp cook, mm-hmm. was one of the original guys who helped build, build. these warm springs. Yeah. I'm like, no, you're kidding. So I go over and we have this incredible conversation, full on geek out mode, talking to one of the founders who actually helped build and maintain like he still These goes all the oh, time. Oh, he still goes all the time. He's like considered like the hot springs chef. Like he yeah. brings. I mean, there's salt to the earth and this guy is just. Oh, he'd give you the shirt off your off his back. He He's an incredible man. He really is. So Bill McGarvey, if you're listening to this. We sure love you. We do, buddy. We miss you. I can't, I can't wait to meet you out there at the hot springs and get a history lesson. And I, yeah, I just. I just can't wait to to go out there and experience that with you at some point. So yeah, me too. Um, so all that to say, obviously, there's a whole lot more to Death Valley than just the hot springs. But for us, that's definitely been one of the highlights mm-hmm. of the, of the adventure. But um, in this last episode that we just released, we uh, we left the hot springs and we made our way south over South Pass through the Panamint Valley and then up what's called West Side Road, to go over Mingle Pass. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we weren't really sure if we could make it across. And then when we got into it, we weren't sure if we could make it across. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, there was nothing about it that was terrible. It was just that it was getting dark. And yeah. we didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And there wasn't anywhere for us to just stop. Well, that was the thing is we wanted to camp and then take our time working our way through that kind yeah. of stuff but there wasn't there wasn't anywhere there wasn't anywhere to do that unless we like camped on the trail L- literally on the trail yeah but you did an amazing job well thanks i mean i wouldn't say it's the most extreme trail we've ever been on no but at the time it was yes and especially with the trailer with the trailer in mm-hmm. the dark mm-hmm. and honestly i don't think we I don't think you, anyone could have handled it better than what you did. I mean, you just well, did an you were amazing job. Me well, over almost everything. Well, you know, the thing is, like, a good spotter and a good driver combo, like, it's it's a team effort. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it's funny, like, towards the end, like, here's something y'all need to know about Sarah. I cannot stand when the trail seems very 
unnecessarily jolting. <laughs> right? Sure. And like give me technical or give me like nice smooth two Yeah, track. like let, let me see some nice things, but when it's just jarring and jolting for miles on miles and you're already tired anyway and you can't find camp and you're hungry. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Like by the end I could tell when you're like easy, easy and I'm like go. I'm like just get me to a camp spot. Get me down the hill. Please. Just get me down the hill. But yeah. You said these trailers were tough. Let's see how tough. <laughs> oh, we did. We absolutely did. No, that's what they were built for. Yep. And we rocked and rolled on down that sucker. Sure did. <laughs> Courtesy of yours truly. <laughs> and uh so on that trail I didn't I, I didn't realize it at the time, but apparently that's if you had made a left once we got through the tough spots, um, you'd go out towards um there's a ranch. Not, I think it's Barker Ranch, if I remember right. And that's where uh, the Manson family, that whole crazy bunch that murdered people or whatever, that's where they were holed up when it all came apart for them. Oh. Yeah. Didn't know that. I don't know anything about it. So if we had made it, and I remember making the decision, do we go left or do we go right? Good we almost we went. went to camp at crazy, the infamous crazy, crazy murder place. Yeah. We almost camped there. But thankfully we kept going straight. And there was just a little wash with enough space that yes, we, that we were able to duck into. We literally nosed into yes. just to camp. <laughs> we did, and that worked out pretty good. But the next day, it was so pretty where we were. It was beautiful, and we were only a couple miles from Warm Spring Camp. Yeah, which we had no idea was even up there. Mm-mm. We come over the hill, and here's here's houses. Yeah, and we were like, "What's happening here?" Like yellow, cute buildings right along with a bunch of other mining equipment and stuff like mm-hmm. that but yeah so got out and started walking around this old camp and and i thought i genuinely thought when i was walking through there that this was like some sort of resort that had been abandoned because there's a stinking pool, pool. there's like a nice swimming, swimming pool, pool like right there it built in the ground concrete yeah. and um and the houses looked fine and like it was like a walk-in fridge yeah Come to find out that was basically the headquarters for the mines in that immediate vicinity. So those talc mines and stuff. Um, it was actually a woman who owned that mining company. And she had built the house and the bunks and apparently the swimming pool as well. Though wow. I couldn't I couldn't find a heck of a lot of history on the whole place. But anyhow, um, that was the idea. So, yeah, if you were a miner at that camp... We got you some nice hot baths yeah. in the evening down there in the swimming yeah, pool. Yeah, some pretty sweet digs. And looking down, you know, Death Valley there, that would have been freaking amazing. I mean, somebody should really try and open that back up. I, I'm not lying. You like, could probably make hand over fist there. Well, ev- even if it was just a volunteer voluntary effort similar to what was Like done. a hostel kind of thing? Well, yeah, like what was done over at the, the hot other springs. hot springs or the saline springs. To come in there and make it up nice would be really cool. Mm-hmm. But we tried to go and find the source of that, the hot springs that was running down the hill. and Yeah, because there is a trail, a well-worn trail. Yeah, there's a trail. And I found a few hints online that there might be a small pool big enough for three or four people. That's right. But the problem was is there was a honeybee nest 
that was like in the cliffs right on the trail and they were swarming like they were which crazy. was so weird yeah it some, must have just been agitated or something yeah something must have gotten in there but we couldn't like they started kind of dive bobbing us yeah. and we decided to turn around at that point but again another incredible oddity and apparently the shoshone tribes have wintered there for the hundreds but thousands of years like this, the, that was their winter spot. Was right there. Sure. And that's, I mean, that's just a taste of Death Valley. There's, there's a heck of a lot more out there. But oh yeah. All of that to say, if you're looking for a bucket list trip, mm-hmm. like put, you're like, I want to take a two week vacation oh, with yeah. my family. Yeah. That would be one of the places we would t- definitely recommend Death Valley. You, you need to see it. You absolutely need to see Death Valley. It's it's just an incredible place. And if you want a kind of a glamping experience for Death Valley, there is a hotel down there. Oh, yeah. Down like, in Furnace Creek. Yeah, Furnace Creek is absolutely gorgeous. I've seen some pictures of the hotel that's down there, and, mm-hmm. and they can constantly working on it and making it better and better, too. So you don't have to rough it like we did. You can, yeah. go, you can go do day trips out of there and still Rent. see the same stuff that we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, but I highly recommend the hot springs if uh, or the saline springs if you get out there. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. One of our favorite spots. Yeah. Just, you know, be ready to see some naked people walking around. As long as you're okay with that, no problem. Right. <laughs> oh, and watch the burrows. Yeah. Dude, they were, do you remember like the last time we were up there? There was this family that had a dome tent. And they had all their food and like totes and stuff. We went walking past their camp to go up to the springs one day, and I look over, <laughs> and the burrow sticks his head out, out of the, of tent, the tent, like yes. chewing something. I don't know if it was a bag of tortillas or what. It was just like, sup. Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> they do not care. And talking to the locals or the people that frequent that area, they will, they've learned that they can bust open plastic, plastic totes, totes. By stomping them. They'll bust open um, cans of soup. They, mm-hmm. they are relentless, so if you do go up there to camp, just be super mindful of what the burrows can get into. Yeah, Consider, th- be bear aware. Yeah, be, be, burrow, that e- be burrow aware. Be that extreme. Oh, yeah, for sure, for there sure. But, uh, yeah, if you're looking for unique experiences, unique landscape, unique geology, like you can't, you can't find more diversity I'll say this. You can't find any more diversity in the Southwest than you can within Death Valley National Park. Mm -hmm. It truly is a rarity. For sure. And it should be at the top of your bucket list. Yeah. Close to the top. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, the fire is slowly burning low. I'm looking over at Mama Bear, and she's giving me those 30 winks a minute. (laughs) <laughs> it's because I still have my contacts in and like you know how they get like kind of like stuck and you're like oh <laughs> uh, so uh, all right well I hope you've enjoyed a little bit of a twist on uh, on the podcast here giving you some ideas told you a few entertaining stories and uh, yeah definitely check out Death Valley if you get the chance oh you won't regret it you will not regret it unless it's a windstorm but unless, you know yeah I did it twice, so you can at least do it once, people. That's it. Okay. Just bring extra tie-downs. 
take off that rain and fly off the off the rooftop tent if you don't have a chance of rain and it'll reduce your sound. Pop a Benadryl and just, <laughs> just pop some wine, pop some Benadryl, <laughs> pop some earplugs. Just do it. And uh yeah, just sit down for the ride. Yep. Wrap it up in some hot springs later on. There you go. You're good to go. Absolutely. It makes it all better. It does. Yeah. It sometimes, did for us. Sometimes it's the crappiest camping trips that make for the best stories. Oh, and that definitely <laughs> topped the charts for a long time. <laughs> I've got other ones now, but. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, guys. Well, we hope you're doing amazing wherever you are in this world. And uh, if you have any questions about Death Valley, feel free to reach out to us. We'll do our best to answer all the questions that we can. Again, patreon.com slash lifestyle overland is the best way to get a hold of us. We we answer every single comment, every single message over there, and then there's a lot of resources and stuff too. So definitely check that out. If you're looking for lifestyle overland merch, and again, shameless plug, because <laughs> you know, this <laughs> But it's not even shameless. We have really cool stuff. We do. We do and, and it's growing faster and faster. There's more than just lifestyle overland stuff there now. <gasps> yeah. I, I don't want to say so. too much yet. Right. But there may or may not be multiple YouTubers who are going to be on the platform in mm. the near future. Mm. So looky there. So not cool. to mention a lot of other cool just outdoorsy stuff too. So. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, overlandstyle.com for all your lifestyle overland merch needs and soon to be many others. That's right. Yeah. All right, guys. I hope you're doing amazing, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Safe travels. What is it supposed to be? <laughs> what is it we say? Safe travels. Safe travels. Okay, try that again. All right. Safe travels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a long one, dude. What time is it? I don't know, but we've been on this for an hour, 36 minutes. No, that's it. That's totally on par with all the other ones we do. That's true. That's been a good discussion. We always go more than an hour. Yeah. I think we covered it well. Mm-hmm. You know what we didn't talk about? Airing down. People should know that. Yeah, I don't feel like that's a hot topic. I'm going to make a video on airing down. People keep asking about it. Okay. All right. Let's go get in bed. Okay.